right. Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Mike, I just want to know, what is the true will of God for my life? I just want to know since I've been born again and since I've been saved, what does God want me to do? What is it that he has already said in the word that he would have me to do? I'm glad you asked that question. Because in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, he answers that question. But you shall receive power after that. The Holy Ghost is come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me. In Jerusalem, which is your community, in Judea, which is your country, and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth, which is our continent. You say, well, now, what do you mean, Mike? You can't read it for yourself. What he desires out of you and me is that we be a witness unto him. When? After we have received the Holy Spirit of God. When does that happen? When you get saved. If you're saved, if you're truly born again, if you die right now, the Holy Spirit's on the inside, sealing you unto the day of redemption. So that means today, because the Holy Spirit at this time in Acts 1 had, was just coming. Jesus hadn't left. When we receive Jesus, we become a witness. I hear people all the time say, well, I haven't been called to be a witness. Are you making Jesus out to be a liar? That's not what he said. You shall be... A witness. Now, the truth of it is, what kind of witness are you? You see, I believe the title of the message is, Are You Mission-Minded? I hear a lot of people use those words, but the word mission means with purpose. In other words, there is a reason that God sent His Son to the cross, to this earth, to the cross... There's a reason that he went through all that, what he did to go through all that trouble so that sinful people could be sanctified, set apart, and covered under the blood. The same Jesus is the one that taught the disciples, there's a reason I did all of that, and the reason is the purpose, I want to make you witnesses. Oh, but, but you don't understand, I wasn't, one of, I wasn't one of the disciples, you are now. What does the word disciple mean? Learner, pupil. If you're born again, you're saved, and you're not a pupil of the Lord, there's something wrong with you. He wants you to learn. He wants you to be a witness unto him. And not only that, people need Jesus. And if you're saved, guess who's the closest one that I know that could tell them about what they need is the one that's connected to Jesus. 
What better person? He's the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh to the Father except they come through him. Come through who? Jesus. We live in a world where more than half of the world's population, which is the world's population is how many billion? Anybody know? Seven billion. Half of that's 3.5 are classified as unreached. That is one-fourth, which is 1.6 billion people woke up this morning with absolutely no chance of hearing the gospel. And the sad thing about it is there's people around you you work with every day that you're with, that you see. There's a sad chance that some of you are not going to share either. And that's sad because you, you're claiming to be a believer. And some of you shame down because of hidden sin or you're in guilt or whatever it is and you don't think you're worthy to be able to share the gospel. Well, Jesus has made you worthy, but sin will shut you up, especially hidden sin. You see, our mission or our purpose is about God's heart for hurting people who are searching for peace and purpose in life. Look, Jesus knows you're hurting. He knows your heart. The true objective to missions is to glorify God. And God is glorified when his name is honored and when we are obedient to the purpose of why he saved us. Some of you say, well, yeah, he saved me just so I can go to heaven. No, he didn't. He saved you so you could have a little bit of heaven now. Well, then why do I have so much hell going on in my life? Because you're allowing sin to remain in this human body. It don't have to be there. Your choice. In a few weeks, three or four of us are planning on going to Honduras and if you, if you feel led of God, I feel led to go. So if you feel led to go, let me know. $1,000. Everybody says, how much does it cost? $1,000. <laughs> We're going to leave on a Wednesday, come back on a Wednesday. God uses mission trips to stir this old pastor's heart. Sometimes I just need to get out of the normal grind and see the world for the way it, sometimes it really is. He enlarges my view of the world and he helps me to, to see and hear and have a chance to not only hear the gospel, but to share the gospel outside of the congregation. Now, I share the gospel outside of the con- congregation, but I'm talking about it on a daily basis. I like to be able to go to help somebody where they can't pay you back. You're not doing it for money. You're doing it because you love God and you want to glorify him and you want to bless somebody else. But I'm also smart enough to know that you don't have to be mission-minded and even leave Atlanta. As a matter of fact, we should be mission-minded here in Covington. Can I hear an amen to that? Not only is this county filled with those as Butch has learned and well can teach us the addicted, but there are a lot of people in in this county that are lost as a goose. They don't know Jesus. And Jesus is expecting us to share what we already know and as he lives within us. Psalms 126 verse 5 and 6 says, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed 
shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Someone as well said, if a man has a soul in the spirit, and he does. And if that soul can be won or lost for eternity, and it can, then the most important work in all the world is to bring men and women, boys and girls, to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. There is nothing more important than that. Nothing I could think about, nothing I could think to say. And all, there are a lot of things that are important, but is there anything more important? Would you, would you love to just spend your whole life serving humanity and die and bust hell wide open? You're not going to be with the Savior who died for you unless you're redeemed. And if we're redeemed, the Bible says we've been called to be a witness. Hello. Unfortunately, sometimes this brings the church, and it shouldn't, under conviction. Why? Because we ain't doing it. The fact of the matter is, we ought to be sharing Jesus with people, but we're not. Someone has said, 95% of all professing Christians have never led a soul to Jesus. Now, let me say this real quick. You don't save nobody. You don't have the ability to save anybody. You don't have really the insight to know that they're even saved. You just don't have it. You're not that smart. You're not that good. If you were that good, I can take you over to already. Two weeks ago to Matthew 7, 21 to 23, and I promise you every one of you would have said, if we saw that with our visible eye, demons cast out, healed, all the miracles go on, we would have said, those guys are saved, and they weren't. The cool thing about it is we don't really have to know that except for us. 1 John 5 says, you can know that you have eternal life. By the way, you should know. You can know that you have eternal life. I've run into some people in my pilgrimage and said, you can't know that you have eternal life. And I'm going, boy, you have really showed your ignorance today. The Bible says, oh, yes, you can. And you should know that. But I I don't know if you've ever, many of you have heard of Dr. R.G. Lee, but He's dead and gone. I got to hear one of his sermons they had taped when I was in chapel where I went to school. He makes this statement. The greatest sit-down strike in the world is in our churches where those who claim to be saved have never become the witnesses and the fishermen that they should be and that they've been called to be. Our main job as a believer with the Holy Spirit is to, and this is the first point, probably the only one I'll get to today, sow seeds. That's what we're supposed to do. You're not supposed to take the King James Version and put pop knots on anybody's head. You're not supposed to straighten out every believer that you see. Some of you are not spiritual enough to even try it. They'll turn it on you. But you are responsible for being a witness. 
You have been mandated by God. As a matter of fact, Mark 16, 15 says, Jesus said, go in all, to the wor- in all the world and preach the good news to everyone and everywhere. Who is he speaking that to? The church? Believers? You know, I just happen to believe that the percentage is just that high, that 95% of the people are not sharing the good news of Jesus. We're keeping it a secret, and we shouldn't. The Great Commission says we're to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every believer or to every creature. Mark 5, 19, when Jesus healed the demoniac man and cast all those demons out of him, he made a new person out of him. But then what did Jesus tell that demonic man that was de-demoned? What did he tell him to do? He wanted to go with Jesus, remember? He wanted, I want to be right here with you. I want to go everywhere you go, man. You know, that's kind of the way we are. Jesus said, you can't do it. Here's what I want you to do. Go home, tell your friends, tell your family. This is being a witness, guys. This is how not difficult it is. Go home, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your coworkers what I, the Lord, have done for you. I hear people say this all the time. I don't know what to tell people <laughs> that Jesus has done for me. And boy, now if you got that problem, you're, you're in sad shape. He should be doing the same things for you every day. But let's just say we just camped on when he supposedly filled you with his Holy Spirit. That's his salvation, that's new birth. You mean to tell me you can't tell somebody what he did for you? They might criticize me. Well, they criticized him. They might condemn me. Well, they condemned him. They might make fun of me. Well, they made fun of him. Makes you better than Jesus. I don't know anybody in here that is better than Jesus was. You see, Jesus tells us to follow him, to do his will. In Mark 16, 15, we must go. One little boy got him a, <clears throat> automo- a toy automobile for Christmas, and, and it just wouldn't work. And he went up, and, and, and he said, Daddy, my, my, my automobile, won't, my little car won't work. He said, well, son, what do you think's wrong with it? He said, I think the go is broke. <laughs> maybe, just maybe, our go is broke. We ain't going. This ain't. You ever heard a preacher say he's fixing to chase a rabbit? I'm fixing to chase one. Won't cost you one thing. When this old preacher, and he has, let sin go unattended. In a graced-filled, saved man, you can do that. I quit sharing, Jesus. I get where I don't care anymore. It's not that I don't love Jesus. It's just that I'm dull hearing. I get where my spiritual insight is not as keen as it ought to be. Why? Because I let sin. <laughs> 
have a little place in my life. And I'm going to tell you something. There's a bunch of you here doing that today. And that sin is called unconfessed sin. Oh, it might be covered under the blood for your salvation, but it won't you do you one doggone, doggone thing when it comes to your relationship with Jesus on a daily basis. I'm here to testify. You let that go undetended, and you'll be doing all kind of weird stuff before long. Paul calls it carnal believers. Look it up for yourself. You sure eat my lunch. Did you know the first two letters of God is go? The first two letters of the gospel says go. The first two letters of the word good is go. How about that? There's one thing you can say that about a church that really believes in soul winning is that that church is willing to go. In the days upcoming, it's going to be my desire and challenge, probably more of a challenge than anything else, to get you to understand that God wants every one of you in this church to go. Where you're at, in our community where we live, and be mission-minded. What's that mean? With a purpose, we're going to find out. Because I can rest assured, unless you're a person that's out here knocking on doors, you have no clue what's the real needs of the community of which this church exists. You couldn't tell me. And the reason that we don't know is because why? Not going. Oh, I know the needs of a lot of people, and I know, because I've heard you say, this is my need, and this, I know the needs of the homeless shelter, and I know the needs uh, uh, of, of uh, all the places and all the institutions. They'll tell you, I know what the needs are, but what are the needs around us in the houses that are built around a church? And you know what? About 5% of you might go, and I hope you will. I hope I get 5%. So we can find out with a survey, what are the needs around us? We get so doggone hard on lost people about coming to church. Where in the Bible does it say a lost person ought to go to church? I can't find it. I'll tell you where I do find. I find where God's believing Spirit-filled, supposedly professing believers ought to be leaving the church and going and sharing with the lost. But if we're out there pounding on lost people to come to church, no wonder we're not getting nothing done. You're not going to find that verse in the Scripture. You will find the verse in the Scripture that says lost people need to be saved. Thank God you were once lost and now you are what? Saved. You know what the attitude of the church is today? Well, bless God, we've got good music, and I believe we do have good music. I, at least I was back there in the green room, y'all just a whooping and a hollering out here. I, I hope it was good. Didn't cost you nothing just to listen to it. 
We believe that the, the floor ought to be carpeted and the, pad, the pews ought to be padded. And we pay our preacher and we believe in air conditioning in the building. We advertise the time of services. And, and then our only job is to say, y'all come now here. Where is that in the Bible? Now, I'm not saying if that's the best you can get done, hey, do it. But you, if you're saved, you ought to be able to tell them what God has done. We ought to have a, not a come here religion, but a go tell salvation. Can I hear amen? Don't lie. <laughs> Trick question. There was a sales company. That everywhere in sales is going down, 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 down. They call in a hot shot from New York City. New York, well, anyway, the New York City. And, and he was supposed to come and, and do an evaluation of the company and find out why is all the sales going down. So he walks in, sales manager's standing there. He said, what's all that stuff on the wall? He said, well, first of all, it's a map of where all of our businesses are. And all of them were, uh, were, were saying down, down, down in sales. Well, what's all them pins for? Well, those pins represent salesmen. And all under all the salesmen, the sales were going down, 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 down. He's standing there and he looks for a minute and he said, you know what? I believe I have the answer. And it excited the sales manager so. He said, what do you mean? You mean to tell me you, you've got an answer to our problem? He said, yep, sure do. He said, what you need to do is take the pins out of each map of where those salesmen are and stick them in the salesman. If God were to do that, and he won't that way, But my prayer today is that he would stick us in our heart and let us know that the most important thing that we could do as a believer would be to share with someone that if they don't hear and receive Jesus and realize through the, through the realization of the Holy Spirit they're lost, they're going to bust hell wide open. And it could be that be our fault. I believe that. I believe that's why Acts 1-8 was written. Because we're told we're supposed to go and sow seed. Years ago, a couple in our church, well, actually, they were the first youth that ever came through our church here at Solid Rock. Sam Johnson was our youth leader. We were running, I don't know, 40, 50 people up in the day. Uh, you know where the homeless shelter? Some, some of you say, I know. I'm, homeless shelter used to be where Solid Rock was. That, matter of fact, where Clarelet's office is, you kind of walk back through there, and that was a sanctuary. And then the, the, the two buildings was the nursery and then an educational room, or fellowship hall, whatever we had. And I begged and borrowed out a couple of more, didn't have to pay for it. We just used when we needed <laughs> But anyway... Ricky and Wanda, well, they were, let's see, it was Wanda Yates. Am I right there? And Ricky Genovese. Wanda's brother's here, so you're going to hear. Don't you run and tell Wanda I told this. Of course, y'all taping it, so I'm hung. 
I never will forget. Sam, I believe, led both of them to the Lord. And, and Rick, he worked for Robert Rhodes over at Robert's printing there for a while. And then he ended up at Harlan Check Company. He was a manager of one of the lines. He came to church one day, and I, <clears throat> I don't know if he's telling me or exactly who's telling me. He said, I feel like God's calling me in the ministry. I said, oh, Lord, you sure? He said, yeah, man. I, I, and, I, and here's what, I love Wanda to death, and, and his brother knows this, but she said, now, Ricky, you need to be sure. And one of our meetings after all that was over, I remember Wanda saying this. I just can't wait for 24-7 to serve Jesus every day. Well, they know now what I knew then, that I was fixing to put a target on them. It's an invisible target. It's a target that says, shoot me if you can. Knock me down. With your gossiping tongue, if you can try. Well, see, Wanda and Ricky didn't know nothing about that stuff. And I looked at Wanda and I said, Wanda, I hope you'll be able to say that. And I hope you get at least a year under your belt before it hits. And I love the ministry. I've been in it now 36, 7 years, something like that. But it didn't take a year. And they're shooting at him. Everything Ricky did, he's getting criticized about. Now, you know what amazes me? He uses God's people to criticize. Instead of criticizing, can I encourage you to pray? Pray for us. Don't criticize us. Quit trying to correct us. That's not your job. That's God's job. But you're going to do it anyway, so I'll just go right on to forget what I said. And here's what I told Ricky and Juan, and I told Jason this, and I've told everybody that's come through. In solid rock, the bullets that hit you will sting, but they're rubber. Nobody in solid rock, I love every one of you, but you don't know what it means to shoot with a real bullet. But I've been there. Ten years I got shot with real bullets, and they hurt and almost killed me. Before I started Solid Rock Baptist Church, I was ready to quit, brothers. I was sick of the church. I didn't want to go to church. I was sick of church people. I was sick of everything that moved except Jesus. Now, I understand I done lost two baby girls. I was mad. When I came to start Solid Rock Baptist Church, it's a good thing I was mad because I probably would have quit if I was of the frame of mind I was before all that. It kept me fighting. It kept me saying, okay, God, I believe you. Even when I didn't. I believe you, God. <laughs> I trust you, God. Putting on my tool belt the whole time. Going to work for a year. How do I believe you, God. I believe you're going to do exactly what you said. People making fun of me. You're not a real church. You're meeting in a daycare. Tell me, I'll come and visit you when you get a real church. I wanted to say, when I get a real church, I don't want to see your face in the building. Now, that's me in the flesh. I'll distinguish that. 
Them earlier days was a mess. Then the years begin to mount up. Rick goes to the First Baptist Church of Jackson. Then another one down at Buckhead. And the bullets start hurting. They get more serious. People get more mean. Some of you in here think you're mean, but I've met a whole lot meaner. I have. I've met a whole lot meaner than any of y'all ever thought of being. And most of you don't set out to be that way. And next week, or, or the, not next week, but when I get to preach the wheat and the tares, I'll tell you why. Because not everybody in here is wheat. The enemy puts within us tares. Anyway. Then my son has a bright idea. He feels called in the ministry. And I'm going, oh, my God, I'm putting a, a target on him. And I told him, there's a target on you. Now, I, I, I'll help you a little bit. If you complain and won't complain what he's doing, come complain to me because I'll handle it. But if you go to him, I'm going to be his, I'm, I'm going to take, he won't be, he won't know what the real bullets are until I die or till he goes to another church. I can call every pastor that I've ever said that to and bring them back here and let them testify. I'm telling you the honest God truth. Rubber bullets around here. That's how good a folk you are. But out there in them other churches, I'm going to tell you how God had to make me go pastor another church. Because I don't want to. I don't want to leave here until I'm dead. Take me off in a coffin or retire me. I don't want to go out there and listen to all that hypocrisy. I see it. Look, we can just be all hypocrites here and smile. (laughs) There, they'll eat your lunch. They'll cut you to the core. That's why I hate criticism. Hate it. Because I don't think we should be criticizing. I think we ought to hold one another up in prayer. Well, I already know you ain't perfect. You already know I'm not perfect. If you ain't heard enough sermons by now to know that I'm not perfect, you're deaf. That is, you can't, you might have going in one ear, it's coming out the other, you ain't listening. This old preacher has struggled through the years. And I want to close on this verse because this describes the struggle. And I didn't write this. Paul did. Galatians 6, 9. I give this all to the ministers who get beat up. Let us not grow weary while we're doing good. And you're doing good if you're serving Jesus. You're doing the best. For in due season... You're going to reap if you don't lose heart. You know what that means? I said, Wanda, that means you're going to make it. You feel like now you want to quit. And I've heard almost those words come out of her mouth. But don't quit. Don't lose heart. You will reap with what you sow. If you're sowing to sin, you're going to reap sin. My God promises me not because he don't like me, but because he does like me. Because he loves me in Hebrews 6, that he will lovingly correct me 
and discipline me when I step out of line. And man, has he ever. But it's because he loves me. Not because he don't like me. Look, his, uh, uh, I, I taught this this morning, Revelation chapter 4. I'm on his mind when he ain't on my mind. He's, he's all about me hurting, and, and, but when I don't even think about him. That's how much God loves us. And my God's on the throne. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed.